0: What's up, strength coaches? Welcome back to another episode of the Cheeky Midweekie, where we are making strength and conditioning not boring anymore, and we do this by highlighting the practitioners in the show. And today, we have yet another one of the NSCA Strength Coach of the Year winners, Coach Kenna Smoke. I apologize if I pronounced that wrong. Did I get that right?
1: Yes, yeah, Smoke Minichi.
0: Okay, Smoke Minichi. I apologize. I'm not very good at pronouncing English. Ask ask my wife. Like. <laughs> I have spell. It's bad. It's bad. Um, but that's a butchered intro coach. Why don't you introduce yourself for anybody that is unaware of who you are?
1: All right. Well, I'm Kenneth smoke, Manichi. I am going on my seventh year at army West point and uh, let's say I have baseball, volleyball and wrestling. Uh, but my time here, I've pretty much covered or worked majority of the Olympic sports uh, baseball. I've had my whole time. And other than that, just kind of filling in and growing at in my career covering all of our sports and prior to that i had coaching stops at marshall smu utc chattanooga i got my grad school done at gardner webb university internships at georgia tech and then university of alabama was right in my undergrad um undergrad internship
0: yo everybody rewind that like 30 seconds and (laughs) here i mean she's been around like there's gonna be a wealth of knowledge right here
1: i'm originally from atlanta georgia and um let's see Growing up, I got into a weight room around like, you know, 11 years old, a little untraditional route. Uh, I played football in high school. So my dad only let that happen if I could survive his workouts. (laughs) Because he, you know, being a female, he was like, oh, well, fine. You want to do that? You're going to do it my way. (laughs) Little did he know, I fell in love with it. And it really uh, changed the whole trajectory of my life. Um, Then, as a senior year of high school, another big event. I had my first back surgery, and Ooh. then so my athletic career kind of shifted and changed, and um, that ended football. And I really just kind of got on to, into the training side of things and rehabbing and everything. I'd already been in the weight room, so it was kind of an easy transition to, I guess, come back do some like higher reps running because I couldn't train like a football player anymore. That led to like bodybuilding. So I did that in my senior year of high school and that continued on through grad school um, while I was interning and coach and becoming a coach as well. And then I pivoted again, had another back surgery, thought what would be harder to come back from powerlifting. So I did that a few years and then, let's see, most recently, my athletic career, I ran a couple of marathons, but just kind of for fun to ran give me a something. a couple
0: marathons, like she yeah, just wasn't in there so casual. <laughs>
1: well, I had a baby a year and a half ago, and then it was just easier to run because I didn't need a whole gym set up when he napped. So
0: I kind I mean, of pivoted
1: in that, but that was like a long way to answer, like my athletic background and wow. kind of how it led into coaching.
0: So I want to start with the back surgery stuff oh. because a lot of our coaches <laughs> might be listening. Like they've had athletes that either have it yeah. or they have some sort of injury and they have to make modifications. What are your modifications that you used for yourself? And then mm. that you recommend for everybody else?
1: Um. So my surgeries happened. One was in high school and this was, you know, 2007, 8. So where we are in strength, conditioning, rehab and everything is so much further ahead now, I really don't think you should get cut open as like a first choice. Um, And then the second one was kind of cleaning up what happened from the first one 10 years later of pounding my body, being obsessed with the weight room. So I, you know, I really don't want athletes to get to that point. Um, But in rehabbing really both women, really that second one, because I was older and able to put a lot more of that on my plate and in my hands, um, like Dr. Stuart McGill is... Just buy all his books, read all his books, and apply them correctly. That's the main thing. With so many of these rehab exercises, people aren't breathing and bracing and doing the little things right where they're just pounding out reps, and that's not necessarily what you need to get the job done.
0: Okay. So when you say implement implement it correctly and breathing and bracing Mm – I want first question is, what do you mean by implement it correctly? Second question, how do you get a group of athletes to breathe and brace correctly in a large group setting? Because I know I've struggled with it. I can, you can get it like mm-hmm. for our listeners too. Like, what's your recommendation then?
1: Early off season, just start at square. Mm-hmm. I actually did it with point. my volleyball girls today. Um, it was, they're on the court. So it was really easy to just get them down on the ground uh, prior to our dynamic warm up. And I was like, okay. I know we do these in the weight room year round, but we're going to start from square one and we're just going to work on pelvic tilts and overemphasize the in range of each of those movements when you're tilting your pelvis. Um, and then like, you know, we did some bird dogs and I'm really big on like, okay, make sure that you're exhaling on the effort, like EE. Everyone can remember that. And really it should kind of happen a little bit sooner, but while you're learning, if it's not quite simultaneous yet, and you have to force to exhale on the effort, I think eventually it'll become a pattern to where it will be a little more streamlined. So that's kind of how I started early off season. And then we led from that into more of our linear speed work. Okay, guys, get up. Let's do a dynamic warm up. I'm then going to go into an A series. And oh, uh, what do you know? We, our hips, our pelvis, all spine have to all be neutral. Like that, you know, that's a really big part of your posture and everything. And it's just like, we just did this on the ground. You should be able to do it standing up. And that's kind of how I will address it in the next few weeks. You're always going to have some of those athletes that revert back to bad patterns. Um, But just as far as in a team setting, I feel if I could get, you know, 70% of them, then I did my job. And then that other 30% can get a little uh, extra attention.
0: How about in the weight room in terms of patterning and and training, whether it be, like you said, anterior, posterior tilts. What about like hip IR, ER, biasing it, whether you're on your back or seated? Mm. What are some of like key components or exercises that you've used?
1: Um, so, I mean, this is going to vary a little bit sport to sport. Like I work, I've worked a lot of baseball and that being like rotational.
0: Yeah, IR is huge, right? I'm sure. It, like- yeah,
1: it, it definitely is. But when I look at the course of the year, I really like try to take like my early off-season period and start with a lot of our accessory movements like you're going to be on the ground and then you're going to go into a split kneeling and then if you earn the right you can be like split kneeling elevated to where yeah, you're your, you're you're truly following
0: mcgill right to the t then yeah
1: yeah and a lot of cressy like a hybrid of it okay now good for McGill. you now how do we start rotating and then the upper body and all that gets thrown into it too and then like from there progress okay now we're Going to be standing athletic stance, add a little bit of a rotational component to it, anti-rotation, and then as those months go on, or training blocks, if you will, maybe not a full month, depending how you break it down or how they're progressing, then we should be able to rotate, throw our med balls explosively, jump, all the things, and decelerate our body, and then produce force for the next rep with the proper bracing and the technique, internal, and external rotation. That's my thought process. And then as they get into season, I like kind of take it a step back to where then we revert back down the progressions to where, when my team is in the playoffs, mm. okay, we might be down to split kneeling palif press, or if you will, so, cause you're getting those high impact movements day in, day out at practice and all the repetitions or like all the games and withstanding your whole season.
0: How about loaded carries? Do they play a big part in, you know, what you're doing for either back surgery for yourself or within the mm. torso training?
1: Yes, they do. Um, like in my setting, we have 21 sports on the Olympic side, I believe, for Army West Point. So a lot of it is logistics. I'm not gonna lie. It's like, okay, who am I sharing the weight room with? Weather being another one. Can I take them outside in a stew trap bar walks in, you know, the field right by, or do we need to stay inside today? Then am I limited on space? they definitely do play a part in it.
0: Yeah. And one of the things coaches, you need to hear that that's been something that we've preached forever is your programming dictates on the room you have and the athletes you have, you cannot (laughs) be like, talk about then those challenges for what you have, uh, sharing the weight room.
1: Um, I mean, I think it just comes down to like everyone. We have to be very cohesive as a staff. Like if I'm sharing the room, you know, I need to know what, say, the tennis team is doing that's going to come in my back half of my lift if I need to switch some of the order of what I'm doing or where I need to corral my team, if you will.
0: Mm. And I'm
1: really big. Like, my teams know, like, you respect all the teams. You need to stay in your space or we can go somewhere else and do something not fun. You know, like, I'm very, like, you know, every team deserves to be in here. Respect their space. They're coming in the back half 15 minutes. You're going to exit out this door. Like we're Uh very, you know, structured. And I like to look ahead on the calendar to like kind of get rid of some of that noise to where people lose training time.
0: And is that one of the complications of, you know, being in the the academy setting where everybody shares it and you guys have very specific time to work with your athletes?
1: (laughs) Yes. Like that is a big factor into it. Cause we do have like a ton of space, super big facilities, but it doesn't, we have 1100 student athletes What? and yeah. When Say my that athletes, again? We have 1100 student athletes. Yeah. Out of 4,400 total cadets. So roughly 25% of the student population is an athlete Ooh. for an NCAA team. So wow. when the, and then also when they're in class, there's no like, Oh, I have an hour off or I can go to the academic advisor here and say, Oh no, my team wants to train at this site. Like there's none of that. It's no, they're in military requirements and they're in highly academic classes and course load. So there's no, like, we don't really have many teams between like that nine to two 30 range. And then it's just chaos. Yeah. And we're staggered, you know, with our schedule, 15, 20 minute blocks, your sport coaches want you three places at the same time. So it's very, you have to be very organized. <laughs>
0: taking a quick break from the show to talk to you about our membership site. If you find value from our podcast, you are guaranteed to find more value inside of the Strength Coach Network video library inside the membership. Doesn't matter the level coach you are, you can see all of our 170 plus lectures sorted three different ways. Based on the level of expertise coach you are, aspiring, established, or head, you can sort it by every sport imaginable, and you can sort it by every topic in strength and conditioning. This makes all of the content consumable Easy for you and for your staff members to be able to deep dive on any topic in strength and conditioning. Click the link down below to try the site out for 24 hours for only $1. Then, your membership turns into a monthly membership where the price is less than $30 a month. For $29.99, which is less than going out to dinner by yourself, you have access to all of this content. Click the link down below. So how do you do that for any of our, li- like, cause that might be ringing true with anybody else working at an academy setting. And again, mm-hmm. respecting the privacy of where you work just from a 10,000 foot yeah. view, what do you recommend to any of our listeners out there on how to balance all of that? The demands of condensed time, density, and you got to be all over the place. Cause you only have at least one weight room, right? Not like three or four.
1: Um, We have three. Oh uh, God. Yeah, we have three <sighs> weight rooms. And I mean, if you've ever been in the Hudson Valley, like there's you know, we have mountains and a river. And so like sometimes getting from one location to the other on post is a little, you know, not quite convenient, but as far as like balancing like multiple sports um, you have to kind of, I hate to say prioritize, but like when someone's in their championship season, you know, like that kind of has to be like your first priority in the scheduling. But then there's also like the safety component is do I need to miss a lift for a team in their off season that might be doing something heavier to go and warm up another team? Or can I delegate the responsibility to warm up because I am the certified coach with the most experience. I need to be where the safety is the biggest concern for the, for the room. So I do kind of take that into account. And then, you know, I mean, this sounds bad, but who your sport coaches are, are really going to dictate the amount of headaches you have.
0: Big facts. Try
1: to have (laughs) big facts. Try to have organized sport coaches and build those relationships to where you have time to schedule. And like when those things do pop up with college athletics, like the last minute changes, like you can at least maybe foresee them a little bit or you at least have an understanding coach that will have your back.
0: You talked about having a a coach that has your back. Has the high performance model where athletic trainer, strength coach, PT, nutritionist, they're all coming together. and They're all having these meetings weekly to talk about the team. And then they, the team behind the team working with the sport coach, is okay. that how things are going there? Are you in charge of it? How does that look again in whether it's a military sense or how has that gone for you? And then what do you recommend to anybody listening right now?
1: Yeah. So I, as strength and conditioning, I really view myself as su- like a support staff of that head coach.
0: And it's not a bad term, right? Like I I hate I don't like coaches that think it's a bad term because we're the support beams of a house, right? Right. Like without those, they fall.
1: Right. You are implementing the culture and the vision of that sport coach in order to win championships and develop leaders of high character and all that, if you will. But like at the end of the day, like you're working for someone and they were hired to make that program successful. So you have to carry out their vision. And then every other pillar needs to as well. And you have your area of expertise. So I'm not going to – my opinion doesn't more have more value than the athletic trainers in their area or the nutritionist or the dietitian. It's kind of we all have our areas. And the sport coach then needs to respect that and let us handle all of our areas. I mean, they can give input, and we can go back and forth about anything. But at the end of the day, it's like they're – we're under their hierarchy.
0: What's been one of the best experiences that you've had? Like again, 10,000 foot view, but like, mm-hmm. what's been one of the best, like, man, this was an awesome experience with like this team and this, this special season of athletes and team achievement. And it might not have even been a, a successful season, but like the athletes just mm-hmm. bought in, like, what's been one of the, the best experiences in your life as a coach?
1: Um, So I've been with army baseball my whole time here and we've won five Patriot league championships and we've had two different head coaches. And like, you're thinking, Oh, well, like I'm going to my seventh year. So what happened the other year, the other year was COVID and we didn't have a season. So essentially like we're on this streak right now. And um, it's been just, it's a Testament to like the work ethic of those players and the older players and how their tradition carries on once those players leave, because we really have done it through two different head coach staffs and a lot of different support staffs. I think at this point I'm the only like consistent person that my <laughs> seniors have had. So uh, just, I mean, they're so special to me that relationship I have with that program. That's not saying anything. Oh, my others, I don't as well. But it's just uh, I've been with them the longest, and postseason too. So
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's it, it. It is special when you are able to do that and have that kind of continuity. Because mm-hmm. for myself, I, I had that where hey coaches leak come and go but if you can provide that stability i mean i remember i went outside with the throwers during a throwing practice because they had four coaches across the six seasons that i was there with them but like Mm -hmm. i was the most consistent thing and the acting head coach was like hey we're down could you just like go outside and like you know kind of supervise Mm -hmm. slash be with them like yeah i mean i'm not a throwing coach i'm their coach in the weight room but i'll be out there with them and be able to provide that kind of stability
1: and then like you know, on a personal side, like with my life, I got, I've been here seven years. I was what, 26, 27 when I took this job. Now I'm 34. Like the senior class, um, has seen me get married, have a baby, bring my baby to the playoffs. Like, you know, they've had seen me coach with him on my back, like in my hiking backpack (laughs) with the last minute schedule change. So they've really like seen, like the human side of me to evolve as well. And it's just only built our relationship and the trust that they have in me.
0: <clears throat> that's a perfect segue too. so anybody listening, uh she had a fantastic speech that was pre recorded. And then you can find on her social media, but the, the whole notion of work life balance, it, it really struck a chord with me. And that's why you know, I reached out to her. But I'm not going to keep talking about it because (laughs) it resonated with me. I'll let you explain it. Mm -hmm. But this whole notion of work-life balance and how it relates.
1: Yeah. So I honestly, I hate the word balance. I just hate it. I grew up a competitor um, and really just always competing in everything I did. And when you hear the word balance, it just, I don't know, it just doesn't sit well with me. So I just, I like to think that to have a full life, you have to be kind of out of balance in certain points. And there's a season for each of those areas. And then, I mean, if you wanna talk, we we do this when we write out programs in training. So if I wanna compare balance to a training philosophy, okay, like, why am I a failure if I want my life to be concurrent in seasons? But everyone does it in their training. So like, you're, you know, like I'm not gonna train everything equally 25% in all my buckets all year long. No, I'm gonna have a season where I need to focus on this a little bit more. This, I might just maintain, but my support system, for me, that's my husband and my family and, you know, all Army West Point, they're going to have my back and be like, okay, she's kind of doing this, you know, because I've built that rapport and have those relationships to where then, like, okay, then it's going to swing a little bit back. And, like, when it's time to be in season with my team, like, okay, I'm all in on them. My hours might be a little crazier with work, but then it'll work itself out, so I mean, that's kind of how I view it. And you're never really going to accomplish goals and be fulfilled if you just try to say, "Here are my four areas of my life. They're 25% in all of them all the time. Sometimes you got to be 30, 60, 20. I don't know the math. But, you know, you got to be off a little bit and then it'll work itself back out and the season will come back around for you to have that time with your family or time with another sport or to grind with whatever or a personal goal, if you will, you know, in competing. So, I mean, that's kind of, like my take on it. So I really dismiss that whole word of like work-life balance.
0: I love that. And I love what you said like that. I mean, you saying the concurrent training like that train coaches, how do you not <laughs> I, understand what head. you just said know. right there? But like, yeah, like, no, it makes sense. Yeah. You're vertically integrating your life
1: yes. <laughs> within,
0: if you do it within training, why would you expect to do anything other than that with your life?
1: Right. And I mean, it's training. You map it out. All right. right, let's genius. You map out your life. Like, right. It's like, okay, yes. I know this is baseball season. I know I'm going to be busy till June and my hours will be all over the place. But then you know what? I have a little bit of downtime before volleyball it, or, or whatever. Even be, within that, and then it's like, like you oh, have, like, I want you might my have own a Wednesday. training. You like, might have yes. Wednesday
0: where you have more time with your family with right. vertically integrated within the yes. week. Right. Like,
1: yeah, you can look big picture, small picture. So I don't know. That's just how my meathead brain <laughs> When I, especially when I became a mom, how am I gonna stay organized? It's like, oh, well, like this is a season for this and it's gonna work itself out. And th- then I just try to balance everything like that.
0: But no, again, like anybody listening, like that resonates true with me because I I think maybe it is when you become a parent is definitely when it changes. Because like that for me is what happened when, Mm -hmm. especially when my first son was born, but when my second son was born, right? Like that really just changed it all. (laughs) And you do, you do that thing where you're like, okay, how can I periodize it where, Mm -hmm. you know, they're with you. And you even talked in your video about how your athletes were like watching your kids, dude. Some of my softball girls, like to this day, one of my interns like babysat the boys, so Megan and I could either go out Mm -hmm. for a date night or just to get away for a little bit. Like when you can just truly integrate the two, how amazing it is because your athletes they see you as a person, right? Yes,
1: and I mean just back to like find good sport coaches, you know, be at a university that has your back. Um, Like I've traveled with volleyball with like my one year old. Really? Um, And because we were going to a place where I had family. So it just like, I was like, "Ah, well, we just got to survive the plane trip and then I can pass them off and like, you know, do it all. Like,
0: you're, but you're absolutely right.
1: And, you know, I just had, had a, I have great sport coaches, had a conversation. I was like, yeah, why not? Like,
0: that's unbelievable. Good for you. (laughs) Because that makes your, we talk about the four Ps here where it's, Mm -hmm. you look at a job pay, perform, uh, crick. Pay, career progression, personal life, sense of greater purpose. And like that Mm -hmm. definitely helps with the personal life, sense of greater purpose, like feeling like you belong to something. So coaches out there listening, like have the, have those conversations with your coaches, not so you can bring your child on a trip, right? Like that's not the, that's that's not the thing. It's the fact that you have that good of a relationship with the coaches Mm -hmm. that you can do those things and you can live a more fulfilled life because chances are you probably coach even harder. You know, for those girls or at that university because they value you as a human being,
1: uh, completely. And then it's so good for the athletes to see. I, it I can't is. I, my male athletes to see like, you know, their only female coach is still in with them like a hundred percent, and can still like be a great mom. And then for my female athletes, just to see three go through the whole process and not let me slow down a bit. I, I mean, I just.
0: Yeah, you're setting an example because yeah. not only like my so Kate Correa was uh one of my first assistants at Towson and you know you talking about that right there I it reminds me of what Kate was saying where her female athletes seeing her lifting heavy and doing these things like it, it mm-hmm. gives them someone to look up to so for you again to set that example for your female athletes like hey you can still be a mom and you can have a child and you can still train and you can do difficult yes. things and you can mm-hmm. live a life and have a career and then like you said the male athletes are like oh wow like this is what a strong female should be like like this is i mean it's again it's unbelievable yeah like yeah, kudos to, to you touch, for that
1: like on the west point uh, you know fact all my, all my like female athletes, are going to go in the military. They're going to mm. have a career. And, you know, so like, it's just like another example.
0: But I mean, shout out to, um, you know, your husband and the, the ability yeah. to make that work as oh, a family yeah, too, right? Yeah. Like, because Chaos. that, that again, but like, <laughs> you, you want to talk about the periodization or the, um, strength Yeah, you got to sit down
1: with your spouse. You got to sit like, down with your high okay, performance staff, yeah, right? Like, w- like when are you peaking? When am I going to peak in this? Because like, <laughs> it's got, it can, for me, it can't be hunting season. Or for, like, you know, so that's kind of how we have to, <laughs> yeah, again, but support. strength coaches
0: out there that are listening to this, like, you got to, like, that's how you make it work. And that, and, and to me. That's gonna. That's part of your flywheel that you've pushed in terms of being able to be successful because you have set up those roadblocks. You've set up mm-hmm. those things in life where or checkpoints, right? Where yeah. you you have that ability to talk and and now you're not um, you're not preoccupied at work with other other thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're in the weight room when you're with your athletes. You're training oh, them. Yeah. You're doing all mm-hmm. of those things. Yeah. How has that been? So we talked about it in terms of the work-life balance in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, your, your personal life with your athletes. How about the, your coworkers, anybody that you're overseeing, like what's been the impact of that? How do you go about leading them within all of it? Quick break from the show to remind you to hit that like and subscribe button. So that way you get notifications of when more content like this gets released. So click that like and subscribe button. And with that, let's get back to the show.
1: Yeah. Um, back to just like the whole time management I find, like, I'm so much more productive at work and because, like, I can't dilly-dally in the office. It's like, no, I'm sorry. Like, hold your questions. I have to get this done, this next 40 minutes. Uh, You know, I'm very, like, I have to stick to my schedule. And I think they all know that and respect that. And hopefully it rubs off on them a little bit to not just, like, you know, I'm guilty of, like, training way too. Well, some days you can if you have that time block. But, you know, just letting the time get away from you, because especially at West Point, we do have a lot of, it's not really downtime because there's a lot to do, but Thanks. you have to be organized to manage your time or stuff will sneak up on you. So hopefully they will see me be like, oh no, I have 40 minutes to get this done. And then I have a meeting and then this has to get done because I can't pull my laptop out at night and I can wake up early and pull it out, but my baby might be up. So mm-hmm. it's not a guarantee that I'm going to have it's undivided attention. So this is my like office time. So hopefully it rubs off on them a little bit to where they can, you know, start the process of getting organized for that next role that they have, whether it be personally or professionally.
0: And that resonates true. There was a, a coach that I'm friends with that worked at a a school similar to your setup where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, condensed group of all the athletes come in and train. And then there's, they're in school, right? Like at the Ivy mm-hmm. leagues, they're in yes. school. And like you said, there's really no, hey, like there's there's not a lot of class conflicts because they have a very big weight room too, so I mean it's a madhouse between mm-hmm. essentially six to ten thirty and then ten thirty to two thirty open time- like really mm-hmm. a lot of free time and then mm-hmm. two thirty to six thirty it's a madhouse again, so it's like the coaches explained to me when I was there interning mm-hmm. hey we're on the floor and we're working really hard during those four hours. And then, yeah, maybe like Frage would leave the office so he could mm-hmm. like detach, refresh himself and then come back and do that work because it, it's like, Hey, heightened awareness of on floor hours in the office hours. And you had to be really, really smart with that time. And so mm-hmm. anybody listening to that, find ways to prioritize that. So that way you're, again, your head is where your feet are.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: <clears throat> um, so, you know, anybody else listening to this right now, uh, Ken and I had a mutual contact, uh, Bree, who was a softball coach there for a while. And then now has gone into the military. Did you ever have any of that desire? Because when we had her on the show, she just talked about how, you know, leadership and how that was an opportunity to lead more people. Was that something that either a happens a lot that you've seen at army West point? Is that something that ever crossed your mind?
1: Um, I've seen it happen. Um, for me personally, like, I love serving those that serve. I love like, I, you know, my passion is strength and conditioning. And when I can share that passion, I then have purpose and then their purpose can go on and be that leader. So I can be the person behind the scenes that maybe help them influence them a little bit for their career. So that's really like how I found my place here. Um, I have seen a lot of like coaches or just really anyone that steps on foot at West Point, then when a Join the military or you know really anything uh, service related so I for me though, I find joy in serving those that serve
0: yeah that resonates um, you know for me and I think for other coaches too because you're starting to see more and more coaches going into this h two f route oh, yeah. um, have mm-hmm. you have you seen more coaches in your personal circle that you know are, are branching out and if so what have they been saying to you what are the pros and cons in your detached point of view from it mm-hmm.
1: um i've had a lot of coworkers or just like uh, people through the field friends uh take that route from college and it's just like i mean it's different you're like you are gaining like you are training someone for, like for their job that, that is the military but you're giving up the whole sports and team dynamic So So, I don't know. I think the main question is, is like, how much do you love sports? And then kind of work backwards from there.
0: So that's been the main thing
1: I've heard people like say is, Oh, I miss the team. I miss the university feel. And like everyone in a program together because there you have a lot of individuals with like personal goals. Yeah. So that's the biggest difference.
0: Well then what's your recommendation for anybody that does have, I mean, for, uh, having 1100 athletes across that many like those Mm -hmm. few of sports for lack of a better term like how do you manage that large of a roster
1: um i don't know i guess i'm like kind of used (laughs) to it right now uh because i've been here you'll be bored
0: if you go to a regular university (laughs) ever
1: (laughs) i've really said that so many times because like you know i got here and um first of all i'm from the south so just location wise alone being in new york i never thought like i would be here this long i thought like i'd you know, work my way back down to, uh, maybe not Alabama, but like that type of, you know, area. Um, and it didn't happen because I just like fell in love with like working with the kid athletes. And I absolutely love the challenges of dealing with so many of them and the schedule conflicts. And then we haven't even really touched on it, but like their military requirements, like if you can get your training to work here, you can get it to work anywhere. It's like really what I tell anyone that comes and joins our staff, like if you can figure out how to program around survival swim and summer training and like the beast period that they call it in their summer and uh, combatives and all these things that they're they're doing for the military, you're, you're gonna be fine anywhere else.
0: That's actually interesting that you say that because I feel like at a lot of schools, or I'd say probably 95%, so outside of yours, athletes are probably going to do extra work on their own, and you're probably trying to navigate that. But you know that your athletes are doing extra work, and they have their requirements for the military, and you almost are tertiary behind military, sport coach, and then you.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, I mean, it is pretty much at Ivy League academic level. Really? Yes, it is extremely – Oh you get the, I, like I joke with my athletes all the time like if I'm doing weight room math real quick I'm like uh what would it tell me this real quick I went to Alabama <laughs> you're here like you know just kind of joking about it because they they really are brilliant um oh which like you kind of gets lost in the fact that they're also going to serve their country but you have yeah. to be very smart to go here so there's that too so then I don't know if that makes a third fourth whatever but uh <laughs> you just I don't know you have to wear a lot of hats and like learn outside of just strength and conditioning about what really is going on here and talk to them about what their daily stressors are. It's probably gonna be things you never heard of. Um, but yeah, with time
0: you'll learn. Yeah. I mean, I guess you're not able to just make the same basic, like, Oh, you need to sleep and have good nutrition. Cause it's like, well, if they have something that they literally have to be awake for, and they don't have the ability oh, yeah. to get that sleep or nutrition, because you know, what does that again, respecting the privacy of where you work, but yeah. how do you navigate through the sleep and the nutrition part of it in your world as their athletics coach too?
1: Um, you just, it's, you have to ask the right questions. And I would say this at any university where you are, cause they're all set up a little bit differently. You all mm-hmm. have a different kind of, you know, type of athlete that's recruited there, whether it be like level or culture or whatever, you need to ask the right questions about, you know, like let's not talk West Point, but just like, where, where does your team go for pregame meals for postgame meals or where do they hang out on the weekends, find that stuff out. And then kind of work backwards of like, okay, well, here's some good food choices you could have there. You like this type of food. Okay. Well, here's a easier and cheaper way to make it in your dorm room. You know, I think like, you know, so just not even West Point, it's just getting to know your athletes and asking those questions and, you know, the time management conversations. It's just, it's on a lar- larger scale here, but all 18 to 22 year olds need to learn that. So.
0: What's been the best success case that you've had with an athlete that you've needed to connect with to help them with their, you know, whether their strength goals, whatever their individual goals were, what's been one of the most um, rewarding experiences in your multiple years as a coach?
1: Um, well, we have a, like a program here. I won't get into all the acronyms, but basically for some of the sports where, the military requirements of height and weight can be detrimental to like your health. Like, let's say offensive linemen, heavyweight wrestlers, track throwers, uh, maybe some rugby players, uh, men or women, like, you know, you might want to be a little heavier than what the military recommends. So uh, they're allowed to have their playing career and uh, be able to have different like guidelines for testing for height and weight while they're playing. But then once that season stops, you have to meet those requirements for graduation. And so if you, you know, think of everyone knows football. So alignment, you right. Then December happens, January, whatever season over you have four and a half, five months to fit that requirement. And what does that look like? So we do a lot of that overseeing, um, of those athletes to help them learn the patterns to do it a safe and a healthy way, because they're going to have to keep that weight off. It's not just like, Oh, you passed. Now you graduated. It's like, they're going to have to Stay that size their whole career. So that's been, I mean, those I've had some really rewarding um, cases working with athletes like that. And sometimes they weren't my athletes leading up to that pivotal point. It might be then they're handed over to me to then figure it out.
0: That's unbelievable. And you, you make a great point and that resonates for me. I mean, I was an offensive lineman, so I finished playing at 300 pounds and then, you know, by my graduation, I self-imposed like a 250 or 245 pound goal. But I mean, to think that you have to do that for graduation, that, that rings true for probably a lot of our listeners out there. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, What has been one of the biggest aha moments that you've had in your last call it three to five years in terms of programming that you've done differently and that you've seen some good fruitful returns on.
1: Um, I, I'm trying to think that's a hard one. because I feel like I'm constantly finding new things. Like, like I don't even want to do stuff from last year, you know, <laughs> I want to you know, revamp everything. But I think just kind of how we talked about at the beginning, the progression of like how you look at your core and your bracing, and you can really apply that to all the movements to where I really have backed off on the complexity of my accessory movements in season, because mm. then it is like, like preseason, we're doing all the fancy landmines, med ball throws, Olympic variations, whatever we think will transfer over to the movement of their sport. And then I really back off the complexity to where it's going to end up like more ground-based if you're in the conference tournament or, you know, post because then at that time you've like a all the reps of your season of doing the sport specific movements. You don't need them for me anymore. At that point, we need to just remember how to control our body.
0: Have you gone the route of adding the accessories essentially to the warm-up, where it's like invert essentially like, Hey, typically we're doing our ground-based power.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then if it's a lower body day or high CNS day, it's lower body first and upper body. Um, have you ever inverted it where it's like, Hey, we do the accessory movements first beforehand to save time. Um, and if not that was something that was like an aha moment mm-hmm. for me with with my group of athletes like hey if these are good to put at the end of the move extra training session like let's start with some hip flexion movements let's start mm-hmm. with some you know and it might be different than just foam rolling and mini banding but again you now have the constraints of your yeah uh, weight room so i'm um, just talking of, in circles this i've <laughs>
1: done a while and i you know i think picked up in grad school from one of my mentors but i really love like, so let's say block one, I am doing a clean variation and block two, I'm squat doing a squat variation. I am going to pair my clean with some type of hip activator or racing movement, or even like maybe an upper back movement that needs to be instilled in that athlete before they go on to that next block. And then let's say I'm just going to do, you know, a clean bench squat. Then I'm going to squat and my next big primary movement is going to be a bench. I'm going to squat with the band pull apart or something to get my upper back fired to where when I get under that bar, I'm already kind of warmed up. So that's kind of how I lay it out, um, you know, because I feel like I've already, like, in them doing that smaller accessory movement with their big primer movement, they're set up for the prime movement at the next block. And I don't have to do the little cues as much once they get under the bar.
0: And now you talk about getting under the bar. I mean, you're still squatting after having multiple back surgeries. How had that progress gone for you?
1: I don't know. I'm not the only one out there that's done it. Like it's... I know you're not, but you're still
0: doing it. Like I, that's kudos to you.
1: I don't know. I, I I didn't really give myself like I I there was never like a oh is it going to work? It was just it's like I didn't have a it was like I'm going to figure out this timeline. You know, there was no like I guess Plan B. It's like I'll figure out how to do it, and I did. I don't know, and it's worked out so far. <laughs>
0: No, I mean, shout out to you for that. Is that, was that the same process that you did for running the marathon? You're like, I'm just going to go run. Or were you more calculated in how you progressed it? Because I know some coaches do want to start running more, whether they admit it or not. Like, Mm -hmm. how did you just start to, were you just like, I'm running?
1: Um, well, really for me, it was, I always need goals and something. And I had my son and, Um, I'm pre and postnatal like exercise certified and so like I knew the timeline that it would take to get my core strong and I knew the numbers I was hitting as a uh, high level power lifter before I got pregnant and so I was like okay this is gonna take a while Um, I might want to have another baby I don't have patience to like get really close and then have another baby so what is like a feasible goal I can make for myself for some wins and then that was just became running. And then another thing too, um, just learning how to become a mom and the balance uh, of like, I mean, I told you how I kind of figured out the balance, but just like getting to that point, there were a lot of thoughts and like a lot of guilt I had and a lot of like doubt in myself. Like, am I gonna be able to coach just as hard Is how am I going to do it all? That led to like me just needing running as a mental outlet. And it gave me something that lifting doesn't because I don't, like when I powerlifted, I usually would go to another gym for my big sessions and not do them at work. And that was how I found that success, if you will, to have a different environment. And so for me, getting outside and running gave me that different environment to where it just kind of happened.
0: Taking a quick break from the show to talk to you about our newest sponsor, Hawken Dynamics. Hawken Dynamics builds and designs software and hardware for coaches, athletic trainers, sports scientists, and everybody in the high-performance department. Most notably, their use of their force plates with the ease of transportation and ease of use. Not only did I use them when I was at Towson, but I've used them when I've moved back here to Iowa with Tucker at Goldfinch. So... Check out Hawkin Dynamics in the link down below. Now let's get back to the show. What's up, strength coaches? We want to take a quick break from the show to talk to you about our sponsor, Team Builder. Team Builder is your one-stop shop for online training platform needs as a coach. With Team Builder, you're going to be able to program for your athletes, whether they're in person or remote using team builder not only will you be able to program for your athletes but there are special features such as the leaderboard and locking training with wellness questionnaires with the leaderboard you can have an exercise performed that day whether it be a lift a sprint or a jump and scores can be updated in real time and projected on a TV in the training wellness questionnaires can be used at the beginning of training and your athletes will have to fill them out prior to being able to train this ensures that as a coach you're being able to collect quality data before the athletes train so if you're interested in team builder click the link down below and find out more information let's get back to the show no that resonates with me because in ter- like getting outside and doing some i mean yeah. on-field training i'd do that with my staff at towson and at iowa mm-hmm. whether we would played basketball or whatnot and then even just having that different app training atmosphere because now like if you're in the rack squatting and if somebody comes up and like you're gonna because you care you're gonna yeah. stop what you're doing and you're exactly. gonna talk with them and mm-hmm. but now if it's like hey i'm not here it gives you that detachment point of view, not only for your work to, you know, go and train, but you might actually have some fresher thoughts because right. again, you care. So it's not like you're going to stop thinking exactly. about, you're going to be like, man, this is a great exercise. I should try doing this with, uh, you know, either the baseball team or, I mean, mm-hmm. your brain is just always going.
1: My best programming is like all my long runs. I always say that because I can just kind of like get all my thoughts in order and then like go type it all out or write it on my notes on my phone when I'm done. <laughs>
0: With the long run, I know that a lot mm-hmm. of our coaches are probably thinking this: How do you handle speed work with groups of athletes that do have to do LSD stuff, where it's mm-hmm. long steady state, and it's it's actually not as steady state as everybody thinks? Because if you're making these mile times, like yeah, it's it's faster than a lot of coaches want to admit.
1: Um, well, as far as like the military requirements for West yes. Point, it's not; they don't do it as frequently as you think, <laughs> and I mean. Like, the time time requirements, if you've developed your other energy systems, I think you should just be able to gut it out. I mean, maybe that's a little harsh, but that's kind of the, you know, I I make the joke like they're ACFT with some athletes. If you don't pass, just don't come back. I'm completely (laughs) kidding. Completely kidding. But, like, we'll joke like that because I think at the end of the day, like, if you have all your other energy systems developed from sports specific training. You should be able to gut out the mile times that are required for your age. It's not going to be fun. You might not feel really prepared and mentally probably something you're not used to. But physiologically, I think you should be able to gut it out.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, too. And it's and only I guess... a few
1: times a year.
0: Okay, because I feel like yeah. a lot of the, the misnomer know, like, yeah. about like army would be that mm-hmm. hey they're going on all these early morning runs, and so any sh- any speed gains that you're trying to make with these athletes is essentially just going to be flying out the window.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's different. You know, you have a calendar, and those are just other things you have to That's, factor in your right. calendar because um, there's just certain dates, and then their summer training is a little bit different, so it's kind of based on their class year and some you you ask the right questions you can get the schedule and you know when those periods of maintenance for the speed and the strength are going to happen because they're going to have to do a lot more recovery work for their body to rock and run those miles but it's just another factor to
0: throw in but you're right. That, that yeah. Again, anybody listening to that, all you got to do is you, you same thing that you would do yeah. with your schedule, schedule that you yeah. get for the games. It's like, hey, these are the dates that are set in stone mm-hmm. and this is how you reverse engineer it and just be able to concurrently handle it all.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> what would be a piece of advice that you'd give to a young strength and conditioning coach right now?
1: Um, I think so after every like session or group you have, I think it's really good to write down what you did well what you could have done better and then a lot of times these things no one else notices but you so if like I used to get really down on myself thinking that like oh I didn't command the room like I wanted to I didn't have the presence I wanted to like my mentor does you know but then did the training get done did everyone stay safe and no one get hurt (sighs) like just come back to that did anyone get hurt okay we're halfway there That sounds really, really simple, but um, I think if you just keep highlighting something good and something that you need to improve on, you will then the next week when you do that same lift, not make that same mistake, and then find something different that like, oh, that did go well. And then before you know it, you're just building on that, on those wins and
0: learning points. What would you say to somebody that's kind of established, been around for three to six years?
1: Um. Three to six years, I would say you're still kind of in that range in our field, especially I feel like, everyone's like, what's next? Um, I think you need to just look around where you are and be like, what can I do here? And Ooh. just be present where you are, because, yeah, you know, you don't know how athletics are going to go. If you're, you know, looking for that next spot, it might not be better. And it goes back to like, you know, the, so the sport coaches you have. Ask, do I like this sport coach? Because I'm their support staff. If I don't like their vision and the character, like I probably shouldn't be working for them. It doesn't matter what logo is on their chest. And then like the, that comes with some hard questions. And then another one, I think, in the, especially on the Olympic side, we fail to ask, do I like this sport? Because you're going to be spending a lot of time with it. If you don't like that sport, you know, either be thinking it's, every department set up a little different. Like, do I need to you know, pivot what sports I'm working. Maybe I don't, with the sport coach relationship or I don't like, you know, I don't want to be on this field for three hours every day of my life or whatever it may be. Um, Because you're going to have a better connection with the athletes if they know you actually enjoy watching them.
0: Amen. Amen. <laughs> anybody listening to that, that'll preach. What would you then say to anybody that's a head strength coach or a director or anybody that's been doing it 10 plus years?
1: Um, hmm. I guess like don't forget where everyone below you is because you had to take all those steps to get to that point and remember like, you know, like financially what that might feel like or the uncertainty, what that might feel like. Um, and just kind of try to keep putting yourself in their shoes.
0: That's good. Because
1: they, there's no guarantee that they're going to get to where it all pays off where you are.
0: So then what would you tell your old self? Like right now, going back to 10 years ago, what would Mm -hmm. you tell young Kenna?
1: Um, Back to the question about, do I like this sport? (laughs) And what can I do where I am to make my situation here better rather than trying to find the next place? Just be where you are.
0: That's something that young Justin would have liked to hear too.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) What is something about yourself that people don't know that you wish that people would know about you?
1: Oh man, I don't, I don't, we talked all the competing stuff, but we talked the mom thing. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm pretty like laser focused with all that. Um, I have two German shepherds. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah.
0: How hard is that having, um, so uh, we don't have a, a dog anymore. Our mm-hmm. our dog had passed away. He was an older, he was a small, small dog. Um, but yeah, having, having big dogs, like that's gotta be a blast to, to go and wrestle with, with the kids. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, they love like my son right now, but he, you know, it's a still like young relationship and we're still like very cautious. Like, even though my dogs were my babies first, like they're yeah. still animals. Yeah. And so I'm very, you know, hesitant on that. Um, but I, they're big dogs, but they're like, their personalities are like little chihuahuas. Like I have a, one of them's a hundred pounds and like all black. So he looks like a wolf and he, is just the goofiest, like skittish. He's skittish. He's just, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's my dog's personality, even though they look kind of intimidating.
0: <clears throat> what is your favorite movie you've ever watched?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. I'm not like a big movie person. I'm pretty like <laughs> I like to read more, but movie wise, I don't remember. The Titans was filmed at my
0: high school, so really? I'll go with
1: that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That is super cool.
1: That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, And that could be my fun fact.
0: What is your favorite food?
1: Um, Well, I did bodybuilding for eight years. And so my taste buds, like, I don't think ever recovered. I like plain sweet potatoes. I like apples. I don't know. I'm very boring.
0: Okay, hold on. Power, like <laughs> bodybuilding, like that's a whole, how did you get into that? And then what are some of the the difficulties that I think most strength coaches wouldn't understand about bodybuilding?
1: Um, just that, like, so obviously we talked, I did powerlifting, I did marathon running. The thing with the, the bodybuilding is it never really like leaves you because you're always thinking about that next meal, that next cardio session. Your life isn't segmented, not into 24 hours of when I train next. It's segmented huh. into three-hour blocks. Um, if you, of course, if you're doing a weight cut at a high level for powerlifting, like you could have to still be in that same like, time frame in your mind. But I think that's the hardest part. And there's a really big difference between like being in shape for the beach and in shape under lights on a stage. And talking back to the concurrent part of your life, those six weeks leading up to that, You're not going to be a good human, probably. Wow. So that's really kind of what led it. Oh, I'm over this.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, that's that's very interesting because, you know, hearing you talk about that, I would instantly think like, man, that probably leads you really well to help out athletes with the body weight requirements Mm -hmm. there or anybody that is, you know, you talked about um, if it's MMA, but like being able to help Mm -hmm. with cutting weight because, I mean, if you want to learn how to lose weight, look at the people that are able to do it over a steady course of time. So that's got Mm -hmm. to lend you very well.
1: Yeah. And then I cut for powerlifting too, which is more on the performance side and it's just it's a way different process. Um, but the, the mental aspect of the bodybuilding is, uh, I don't know. It, It ran its course in my life. Put it in way.
0: terms of uh, the last question on this topic, yeah. I mean, sorry, it's super fascinating for exactly. me. Like, I've seen <laughs> athletes mm-hmm. uh, make some hard cuts, whether it be wrestling or yeah. for boxing fights. What had been one of like the hardest cuts that you've had to do, or that you've seen somebody do?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like personally, I've like so many just <laughs> days where I didn't think I'd pull it together in a sauna, or I where I couldn't eat white fish anymore, like my sister, like just yeah. Like, you know, so, um, outside of myself, like I definitely had one of like a West Point graduate that was a female thrower that was like down to the wire and it was a lot of like the mental aspect of it. And, um, so yeah, one of my buddies
0: yeah. who's a, who's a pro boxer, he's like, man, I'll tell you what, it's mm-hmm. like, there's two fights, when you sign up for a fight, he's like, there's the fight in the ring. And then there's the fight on the weight cut. Cause that, that thing's no yeah. joke um all right last two questions for you if you were an animal what animal would you be
1: um probably probably an elephant an elephant yeah they're like a lot of power um but they don't take themselves too seriously
0: and they're very smart right like i mean
1: oh yeah i don't know anything about that maybe i wouldn't be an elephant
0: (laughs) if you were a car what car would you be and why
1: I'm, i'm really like not a car person
0: um, <laughs> I'm not either. No. Like, if I, like, yeah. when somebody asked me this question, it was my vehicle that I have right now. I have a Ford F 150. It's reliable, yeah. it gets the job done. Like, that's my answer.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Probably some type of truck, powerful. <laughs> and then, you know, can see over everybody else just from that viewpoint. <laughs>
0: That's a good one. Um, <clears throat> coach, I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we had not been able to discuss that you were like, Hey, this is kind of burning on my mind. This is something I really want to tell coaches and make sure that they understand about the field or athletics or coaching or whatnot.
1: Um, nothing really major just like comes to mind, but I just, I guess I'll reiterate on that point that like, if you're passionate about this, It can become your purpose and it can feel really, really right if you get in the right setting and you're able to then help others. And that's really what it's all about. It's not about your training. It's not about your PRs. It's about you taking your experiences and then helping others with it.
0: I mean, that's a mic drop moment right there. Coach, where can people follow you more if uh, they've made it this far with us and they want to continue to learn about you and see the things that you do? All
1: right. I'm on Instagram. It's just Kenna, K-E-N-N-A, then underscore Minichi which is my married last name, M-I-N-N-I-C-I. Um, I have Facebook, don't really use it. And then LinkedIn, I'm on that. And I don't really do the whole Twitter thing. So
0: <laughs> It's X now, isn't it, right? Uh,
1: I, yeah, see, I'm behind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you very much, Coach. You have a good rest of the day. We'll talk to you soon.
1: You too, thank you so much.